You're about to hear a sermon from Han Vision Church in Lawrenceville, Georgia, delivered by Joe Song from her study on the gospel according to Matthew. Thanks for listening to Han Vision. So Jesus is continuing on with his ministry, and uh, he he was doing amazing things, and uh, he just got rejected by his hometown, right? That was the last time we were in Matthew. And then, and now Jesus is, is moving on. His, his fame is growing. His influence is growing. More and more people are hearing about this miracle worker, carpenter from Nazareth. And so at that time, Herod, the Tetrarch, heard about the fame of Jesus. This is the guy who was like the governor of, of Galilee, of Jesus's area, okay? So the governor has now heard. And he said to his servants, this is... This is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. So John the Baptist is dead, by the way. Uh, oh, yeah, and then he has a flashback, right? For, he, for Herod has seized John, bound him, and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod. So he promised with an oath that he would give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry because of his oaths and his guests, he commanded it to be given. And he sent and had John beheaded in prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl. And she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it. And they went and told Jesus. Now, this is a tragic ending for one of the greatest human beings who've ever lived. Like in another place in the Gospels, Jesus describes John the Baptist as one of the, of, the, of the people born of women. John the Baptist was the greatest. Like Jesus considered John to be one of the greatest people who've ever lived. That's a crazy thing. And this is how he died. It's really sad. You know, John the Baptist, if you know the Bible, is the one who has the spirit of Elijah, one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. You know, Elijah in the Old Testament, he's the guy who um, who stood defiant against the evil kings of Israel when they were when everyone was bowing down to idols, to the, especially to the idol of Baal. And all the prophets of Baal, 300 of them were challenging him and they had like a, a face-off on the mountain. And they're like, and Elijah was like, all right, let's see which God is true. And he was like, whichever God rains down fire on these sacrifices is the real God, right? And, and in the story, the 300 prophets pray to nobody and nobody listens. And then Elijah's like, all right. And he prays to God one simple prayer and then fire rains down. And then Elijah gets up and says, kill those false prophets. And then they slaughter all of them. Like Elijah was crazy, right? He's a crazy guy. He's fierce. He was fearless. And, um, and according to the Old Testament, he never died. 
Instead, he was taken up in a chariot of fire. Dang, that's a pretty cool way to go, right? He never had a death on earth. And then one of the prophets later, hundreds of years later, says one day Elijah will return. And when Elijah returns, the king, God's king, will come after him, right? And so everyone's waiting for Elijah. And then this dude pops up in the desert named John, who looks just like Elijah. His description is just like the way he wears his clothes, where he's doing his ministry at the Jordan River in the desert is exactly where Elijah was taken up into heaven on a chariot. They crossed the Jordan River and he was taken up. And now that's where this John the Baptist is doing ministry on the Jordan River, dressed in the same way Elijah is and who has like the similar spirit, who's not afraid of anyone, who calls out anybody, who doesn't care if you're rich or poor or powerful. He says, you're all sinning, (laughs) right? Like poor people come, he goes, you sinners. Then rich people show up and he's like, you guys sin too. Then they're all like, what the heck, John? It's like, the king is coming and you're all gonna get burned if you don't turn around. So John is like, he didn't didn't care about anybody, right? So that was John, the greatest, most fearless, one of the, you know, one of the greatest prophets of God. And he gets vanquished. This is how he dies. By some petty governor, wannabe king. That's who Herod is. He's a wannabe king. His dad was Herod the Great. Any of you guys named after your parents? No? Like imagine if you're like your parents, you were named after them and they were like considered great. Like, man, talk about living under someone's shadow. Herod the Great was a king over the area of Israel. And then after he died, the Romans broke that area apart and then gave it to governorships to his sons. And so this Herod, Herod Jr., was just, he wasn't a king, but he wanted that title. He wanted people to call him a king, you know? And so he would actually have people call him that when he would announce him. And later in life, he went to Rome to petition to the Caesar to give him the title king because he just wanted people to be to see him as the king. He wanted power. He wanted to be acknowledged. He wanted to succeed and to get to the top in which is like, if people call you king, you know you've made it, right? And so that's what he wanted more than anything in the world. That's Herod. Never got, he never got it, sadly. But that's what he lived his life for to climb the ladder of worldly success. And then there's, but then this is also a man who's driven by his flesh, who like love, he just does whatever his flesh desires, whether it's right or wrong. Suddenly he looks over at his brother, Philip, and he has a wife, Herodias, and he he wants her. So even though he's married, he gets rid of his wife, and then takes his brother's wife. And that's not right. Even we know that's not right. It's against the law of God. And so who do you think is going to step in? John the Baptist, right? Because he doesn't care. He comes in and he calls him out. You're breaking God's law. This is not, this is not, this is against the, word, the law of the Lord. And he goes on and he preaches against him and tells him he's not doing it. And so what does Herod do? Yeah, he puts him in prison 
and he's about to kill him but then people get upset and so he's like all right all right i won't kill him but i'm just gonna like keep him in prison and then like his there's this weird birthday party that happens where like he has birthday and then like herod now his new wife herod's daughter or herodias's daughter comes and like dances and is all seductive or whatever and then herod because he's a man who just does whatever his flesh tells him to eat like he's like oh what do you want i'll give you whatever you want and then she says give me john the baptist's head and he said this promise in front of all of his friends and come on you guys know you want you say something in front of your friends like you don't want to look bad in front of your friends you know they're gonna make fun of you they be like oh you're so weak you promised this and you can't even do that right you scared you scared herod you know like you scared the people and so right because so now they're like going after his pride and so he's like all right so now his his fleshly desire got him into this predicament and now like his pride is on the line between all of his buddies who are like hey you gonna do it and so what does he do he gives in and he kills he beheads the greatest man who's ever lived man herod's a bad guy (laughs) right and it's so easy just to like, just think he's just some character in a story. He's just the evil villain in this char- in, 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 in some made up story. But he's, the Bible, it's just, it's just about real people. And as much as we can judge Herod, like, are we, I don't know, are we all that much different? You know, we, I don't know if we, if I would be all that different. If I were in his place, I just, I'm just, I just don't have the power to be as evil as he can, you know, you know, lately, um, I I was like yesterday, I found this, this Instagram account called preachers and sneakers. Okay. And so it's basically this, if you haven't seen it, um, I don't know. I don't know if I recommend it or not. It's like weird. It's like a weird you, you feel like there's mixed feelings, all right? Because here's what it is. It's basically an Instagram account of pictures of, of celebrity pastors and then like, and they're extremely expensive like sneakers, right? So it's like, here's this famous pastor, celebrity pastor, and then here's his like, you know, like vintage Air Jordan, whatever, and then this is how much it actually costs right now. And they're like thousands and thousands of dollars. Or there's, here's this pastor and he's got like this Gucci belt, you know, or whatever. And it's like, you know, a thousand dollars and he's up there like preaching and stuff. And so it's like, you know, and then like, you know, what, what the internet is like, the, the comment section is just fire. People are just so upset, right? And they're just like, this, these Christians or, you know, they're just all this judgment. And, you know, like, yeah, even for me, I'm just like, yeah, what the heck, man? Like you're supposed, you're a Christian, you're a pastor and you're like, up there like with ridiculous clothing and I'm starting to judge too and I'm like thinking of clever things I can comment on and and you know what I mean and I'm just like should I make a counter you know Instagram account with like humble pastors wearing like really poor clothing or something I don't know and call it like pastors with and clothes or I don't know it's just something else right and just like I'm I'm getting into this mode where I'm looking at these celebrity pastors and judging them and their heart and how much, how materialistic they are. And you know what I'm saying? And I'm getting into that mode too. And, you know, this morning I get, I get up to read my Bible, to spend time with Jesus. Right. And I hit my snooze alarm three times because instead of spending time with Jesus, I listen to my flesh who tells me to go to sleep a little longer. 
right? So there I am, obeying my flesh over being with God. And then I get up, make my coffee, and while I'm waiting for my coffee, I open up my, my computer, and, and then I start seeing, like I start researching cameras and seeing articles about why Fuji cameras are better than Sony and how the color science is, is a little better and how like this new one's out and how it has the autofocus system is better than the one I have. And then I start getting like upset and I'm starting to want it. And then I start to like calculate how much I have to save to like buy it. And then I think about all the accessories I have. Well, I got to get a new camera bag. And then, I, and then somewhere about 15 minutes later, I'm on the Apple website being like, well, because somewhere I started at cameras and how I need more. And then I ended with like, well, I also need a new iPad Pro and a new MacBook because all of the raw files are going to take more computing power so that I can really work faster and efficiently get the pictures to my people better. And here I am, thousands and thousands of dollars that I'm like calculating in my head that I need to save up so I can buy more of this stuff. And here I am, an hour after I woke up so that I can spend time with Jesus wanting to buy stuff. And instantly I realize I am preachers and sneakers. I just don't have as much money as they do. It's all relative. Herod, we think he's so evil. We just don't have the power that Herod did. We do what our flesh wants to do, despite knowing that God wouldn't be pleased, right? We feel an urge. We desire something that isn't ours or isn't supposed to be ours, but we, we lust after it. We go after it. And then the voice of God or the truth of God's word comes in through some way, through a sermon, or through a small group, or through that Christian friend that annoys you all the time and tells you Bible verses when you don't want them to. You're not a king, because you would put that friend in prison if you could, but you can't because you're not, you don't have any power. But what do you, So what do we do? You can't imprison them, but what do we do? We put the word, the truth of God in the prison of our hearts, somewhere far in the dark corners where, and we ignore the truth of God for our Herodias, for the desire of our flesh, right? Of course, we're not going to like totally kill the truth of God because, you know, we're not going to stop going to church. We're not going to deny, we're not going to say we're not Christians because we're afraid of the people, Right? afraid the people might get upset, like your parents or your Christian friends. So you'll live in sin, put the word of God in prison far away from you, but you're not going to cut ties. You, you got to keep up appearances. That's exactly what Herod does. It's like, all right, I'm going to shut up, John. Shut up the, word, the guy who's calling, out, calling me out, who's revealing God's word. I'm going to shut him up in prison, stifle him, but I won't like, totally kill him because I need to keep the religious people happy in my life. And I want to look good in front of them because really that's what I care about more than anything else. What I really want is power and the approval of human beings above all. Does that sound familiar to anybody? For some of us, the highest desire in all that drives everything that we do is to gain the approval of people 
or of person or of parents or friends or power or the desire for a status to be to get a title we think that and above and we want those things above all others and even when the word of god comes in we will we will behead it for the sake of our sin suddenly herod isn't such isn't some thanos like character but he's you he's me how many times have we been herod where we shut up and ignored the truth of god that calls out to us straight up walked away we would kill it if we could if we had the power but we can't so that's herod and then that herod hears about the fame of jesus he hears about jesus and he is confronted with a choice with a question who is he who is this man and herod with what he knows he's like well jesus hearing all that he is and who he is what he's been doing he comes to the conclusion that jesus is not a normal person he's clearly someone beyond human because he must be like john the baptist come back from the dead to come and get me or something because there's no one that is normal that can do the things that this man does there's something supernatural about this jesus he must be someone special right but in the end herod doesn't believe because at the end he tries to kill jesus too you read later in luke that herod is seeking jesus to kill him because he realizes that jesus is a king and if jesus is a king he can't be the king and all he wants is to be king but if jesus is the king he needs to kill this king so that he can hold on to the hope of being king one day and many of us that's what we do we hear about the fame of jesus and that there is a king the king god who comes into your life and says here i am but then what do we do there can't be two kings so you either have to bow down and lay yourself underneath his authority and protection and kingship or you can try to kill that king and herod chose to try to kill him and in the end herod did Herod sent him to Pilate to be crucified on the cross. We are not that much different than him. And the choice we have today is the same as him. You have heard of the fame of Jesus. Who will you say he is? Some of you might have heard of the fame of Jesus your whole life. You've been brought to church. Maybe you have, you were forced to go to Sunday school and you grew up going to church your whole life. You heard about Jesus. You heard the songs. You've been to the retreats. You've heard the sermons and you've heard of his fame. So I'm asking you today, who is he then? 
Is he something that people made up? Is he just a huge fabricated lie that the disciples made up and that Jesus, that we're just singing to nobody and to nothing and he's not real and people who claim that he's God are crazy or just completely wrong? Or is he who he says he is? He's the son of God who loved you so much he came down to take all of your sin and to die on the cross on your behalf to overcome death and punishment for you so that you and I can now live life the way we were supposed to be under his rule as living beings connected to God and that we can find life everlasting in him as our king. He's either your king or he's not. Who is he today to you? You got to cut Herod some slack because he only had, you know, if you think about it, Herod only had like one year of, of things to hear about Jesus. Like Jesus was doing stuff for like a year, a year and a half. And he heard about the things Jesus did for a year, year and a half. You know what we have? We have 2019 years of Jesus. We have not only heard of his entire life, We have not only heard of his death and then his resurrection, but then we have 2019 literal years of the, of the power of Christ transforming this world. I don't, whether you believe in Jesus or not, you can't deny that Jesus Christ is the single most famous human being that's ever walked on the face of the planet. You cannot deny that he is the single most influential life that has ever lived. You cannot deny that his followers, people worship this human as God. Billions and billions of human beings from every generation up until this moment are convinced that he is God. You've heard of that fame. So where do you stand today? He's either who he says he is, your king, the king, or he's someone you need to get very far away from because if he's a lie then it's a huge lie but there is no in between you have a choice and before god there is no lukewarm there is many of us who are just kind of in the middle on the fence there is no fence it's either you are with herod or you're with him And so I want you to wrestle with that. Where are you today? Who is Jesus to you? Is he truly who he says he is? And if you're not sure, then I I believe Jesus is here this morning and he invites you to come under his throne. so that he can be your king, so that you can receive his grace and his forgiveness and his life for you. You know, usually I'll say like, invite Jesus to be be on the throne of your heart, but that's not accurate. He's already on the throne. He's always been. 
The question is, will you put yourself under that throne? Right? A lot of times we're like, oh, yeah, Jesus, come and sit on the throne of my heart. You know? It sounds so little. And then when we get tired of him, we kick him off and we put something else there. That is not who Jesus is. He is the living, resurrected God of the universe who holds the galaxies together with his breath. And he invites you to come under his authority and kingdom today. So let's, so let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Han Vision Podcast. We hope you are blessed. Join us next week on... Pond Vision!